You're listening to the Assembly Call IU podcast and postgame show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. If you want to get more out of being an IU basketball fan, then make sure you're subscribed to our email newsletter. Go to assemblycall.com slash join today and sign up for free. That's assemblycall.com slash join. This episode of The Assembly Call is brought to you by Crane Credit Union. Get a $150 deposit into your new Crane Credit Union checking account when you get e-statements, have direct deposit, and use your debit card. Plus, there's no monthly service charges and no minimum balance to open your account. Stop into any of Crane Credit Union's 14 locations or visit their website at cranecu.org for more information. That's cranecu.org. Crane Credit Union is federally insured by NCUA. And now, get ready for another brand new edition of Assembly Call Radio. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, brought to you by HoosierProud.com. This is episode number 313 of the Assembly Call, and it is episode number 23 of Assembly Call Radio, recorded on the evening of Thursday, April 13th, 2017. Well, week three of the Archie Miller era has been jam-packed with news. In case you missed it, here's the countdown. Six names were officially announced as part of Archie Miller's first staff at Indiana. Five of the names are new to IU. Bruiser Flint, Ed Schilling, Tom Ostrom, Bill Komar, and Ben Sander. While the other is very familiar to IU fans, that is Derek Elston, who will be staying on as Archie Miller's Director of Player Development. Four Hoosiers declared for the NBA draft, including OG Ananobi, who is hiring an agent and will for sure be staying in the draft. The three other Hoosiers, Thomas Bryant, James Blackman Jr., and surprisingly, Robert Johnson, all submitted their names as early entrants but will not be hiring agents, so each could return to school. Two members of the class of 2017 reaffirmed their commitments to play for Indiana, Justin Smith and Al Durham. And one member of the class of 2017, Clifton Moore, met with Archie Miller and is, as of the recording of this episode, still weighing his options for where he wants to play his college basketball. Okay, that's a lot of news for one week in the offseason, but such is life during the early weeks after a season when a coaching transition is underway, and we are excited to discuss everything happening in the world of IU basketball with you right here on Assembly Call Radio. I'm your host on the Assembly Call, Jared Morris, and I'm here with Ryan Phillips and a very special guest who I will introduce in a moment. You can listen to the Assembly Call IU postgame show live immediately after every IU basketball game at assemblycall.com, and you can catch us every Friday year-round right here for Assembly Call Radio. If you can't listen to our shows live, no worries. Just search for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, YouTube, SoundCloud, and more. You will find us in all of those places. All right, well, I will begin this week's show as I begin every postgame show, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And the banner moment for this week is Justin Smith reaffirming his commitment to Indiana. This was an important moment uh, in, in Archie Miller's IU transition, a very important moment. Obviously, getting Al Durham to reaffirm was huge, and getting Clifton Moore to do the same would be big. But Smith is the highest rated of Indiana's incoming recruits, a remarkable athlete with impressive maturity, and he seems tailor-made to succeed in Miller's system. And in explaining his son's decision to stick with IU, Justin's father, Edward, had this to say to our friends at Inside the Hall earlier this week. Quote, Archie Miller looked each of us in the eye, and he didn't sugarcoat anything. He said it's going to be tough, it's going to be hard, but with hard work, the rewards will be there. And he said it with conviction and honesty. That's what you look for in a guy, and he's prepared. My gosh, is he prepared. Indeed he is. And with Justin Smith in the fold, Archie Miller is even more prepared now to begin winning games immediately, even as he tries to refashion the Indiana program in his own image. All right, let me now introduce my esteemed co-hosts on today's episode. To my left, we usually have world-renowned bracketologist Andy Bottoms, but Andy has the night off on the very specific condition that he uses his time to polish his resume and submit it for the data analytics position that the men's basketball team is looking to hire. 
But have no fear, in Andy's place is one of the most authoritative voices on all things Indiana basketball, the founder and editor of Inside the Hall, and my co-host on Podcast on the Brink, Alex Bozich. Alex, welcome to the Assembly Call. Thanks for having me. Not on here often enough, so it's it's good to be with you guys. It is good to have you on here. So, Alex, after every game over at Inside the Hall, you do your five takeaways. So what was your one takeaway from this week in Indiana basketball? Yeah, the I guess the thing right now is there's so much news coming out, but uh, there, there seems to be a stability uh, around the program that we haven't seen in quite some time. I mean, there's... The news is coming hot and heavy, but it just feels like the program is on more stable ground uh, than we've seen in quite some time. And that's no knock on on Tom Crean or the previous regime, but uh, there's obviously a lot of excitement going forward. And it just seems like everything Indiana and everything Archie Miller uh, does at this point uh, is being met with enthusiasm. I think that speaks a lot to, to his approach and how he goes about things. You talked about the the uh, the comment made by Justin Smith's dad, Edward Smith. I mean, the more people you talk to and the more people you hear from about Archie Miller, uh, the words that come that come out are uh, organization. Um, you know, he's he's driven to succeed, and I think uh, I, I think right now, you know, the, the main thing for me is just the, the news is coming hot and heavy, but. This program uh, seems like it's on really stable ground uh, for the first time in a while, and I think that has a lot of fans excited. Absolutely. And to my right, we have a man who is still waiting for Archie Miller to call and offer him that vacant shot doctor position, a columnist for TheBigLead.com, and someone who is considering declaring for the 2017 postgame show draft and hiring himself as his agent because he's sick and tired of putting his opinions on the line and risking ridicule and his stock dropping in exchange for nothing more than a free membership to the website and the Limestone Coaster. He is Ryan Phillips. Ryan, what is your opening rant about the last week in Indiana basketball? <laughs> Man, that was a lot to swallow right there about my about my future prospects. Um, I, uh, <clears throat> I I think that, that the Justin Smith news was was great. I think we, uh, we all agree with that. But I, I have to agree with Alex. I think it's just... It's it seems like Archie Miller and I wrote about this today on the big lead is it seems like he's acing all of his tests so far. Um, it's not really surprising, given his background, that he would make all the right moves when he got in here. And it certainly doesn't mean that all of a sudden this is going to be a rip roaring success and he's going to be the greatest coach in Indiana history. But over the first few weeks, you've heard all the right things coming out of the program of guys, you know, focused on the right things of him, you know, building from within and, and building his team up and, and connecting with the players first, then connecting with the recruits building his staff and and you heard the staff announcement i mean he promised he would have a world-class you know staff uh, a top level college basketball staff and i don't think anybody can argue that he didn't do that um he he went with some familiarity obviously with some guys from dayton which it was obviously going to happen but he managed to bring in some some top level assistants and also you know kept a guy like Derek Elston around someone who by all accounts has done a great job in his position uh and, and been a great you know outlet for players uh to stick to and I think that all Indiana fans are, love having Derek Elston around the program again so I just feel like the guy is is knocking it out of the park so far yeah it's early yeah these are all you know pretty conventional moves but he's not. But you know, of the in, with the instability this program has had over the years, as Alex said, it just feels different, and it feels. I mean, this is how it should be. But again, kudos to him for doing it the right way and not coming in and, and essentially dropping a bomb and you know having to pick up all the pieces. Uh, he has come in and just sort of hit the ground running instead of trying to change everything and and um, you know destroy what had been here and the infrastructure that was here and just rebuild on his own. Yep. All right, well, we have a jam-packed show for you this week. We're going to talk a little bit more about the Justin Smith recommitment. We're going to dive in with some scouting reports on Justin Smith and Al Durham, both guys who are now committed, uh, reaffirmed their commitments to Indiana's program. We're going to break down the coaching staff and then also give our thoughts on the NBA decisions that Indiana's players made and obviously that they still have to make moving forward. All of that on this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio. First, I do want to take a quick second and tell you about our presenting sponsor, HoosierProud.com, because if you consider yourself a Hoosier and not just an IU Hoosier, but someone who is proud to have roots in the great state of Indiana, then you need to check out HoosierProud.com, where they offer a line of t-shirts and accessories that are unmatched for anyone who wants a unique, stylish way to display their pride in being a Hoosier. 
And frankly, if you're an Indiana Pacers fan, you definitely need to go to HoosierProud.com because I saw the t-shirt, the new t-shirt design that they put out. It's kind of a silhouette of Lance Stevenson blowing into LeBron's ear, and it's awesome. I'm not a Pacers fan, so I'm not going to get it, but if I was, I would definitely be getting that shirt. But those are the kind of designs that you get there. Uh, very unique, very timely, so they did a really good job with that one. And of course, we moved all of our Assembly Call shirts over there to Hoosier Proud as well, and so you can go there uh, and you can get all of those shirts. And when you go check out HoosierProud.com, use the promo code AC and you will receive a 15% discount on your entire order. So Assembly Call Gear, the Pacers shirt, the normal you know Indiana State t-shirts that they have, all of those, if you use the promo code AC, you will get 15% off. So go check out our friends at HoosierProud.com. All right, this is the Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Alex Bozich and Ryan Phillips this week discussing all things IU basketball. And I want to jump into the Justin Smith recommitment, Alex. And obviously you spoke with Justin's father, uh, and it sounds like, you know, Archie made quite the impression. How important is it that, you know, these first two big recruiting pitches that Archie has had to make, you know, trying to keep Justin Smith in the fold, trying to keep Al Durham in the fold, how much should Indiana fans read into it that those have been successful? I mean, does that portend anything for the future about his strength as a recruiter, or should we not read too much into it because these were guys that, to a certain extent, were probably looking for reasons to stick with Indiana anyway? Well, I do think there's something to it because if you look around the country when there's coaching changes, there's a lot of guys asking out of their national letters of intent. Uh, Justin Smith never asked out of his, um, and that I think had a lot to do with the fact of what type of kid he is and kind of his family and the structure there and, uh, just wanting to be patient and realizing, you know, he's going to, if it wasn't going to work out, he was going to have an opportunity to, to, uh, to look elsewhere, but he wanted to, to kind of give the new coaching staff a chance to make their pitch and keep him around. But, you know, I think more than just those two guys, you look at the program right now, nobody has we haven't heard anything from any of the players uh, besides the guys that are going to test the NBA draft and OG leaving, but we haven't heard anything about transfers. I mean, look at, uh, you know, other programs uh, around the country when there's a coaching change, there's usually guys coming out saying immediately they're going to transfer. There's guys asking out of their letters. Uh, as you, I mean, Illinois had a coaching change. And I think two of their guys have already asked out of their letters of intent. So uh, I think it bodes pretty well for what's to come under Archie Miller. I mean, I'm not, Definitely, I don't think it means he's going to come in and lock down the borders immediately. But I think whatever his pitch is, is, is resonating well. And I think that's uh, a strong way for him to start uh, off in his new tenure and his new job. Was there any other insight that you got from Mr. Smith? I mean, obviously, you know, you wrote the article about it, and I probably pulled out the most choice quote from that. You know, was there any other insight that you got on why that decision was made uh, or, or just, you know, anything else that stood out to you in particular? Well, just from talking to him, um, I can tell um, from Mr. Smith. And I talked to Justin today earlier at the at the Derby Festival Classic, and he he's not as uh, you know. It's not that he doesn't like doing interviews. It just he's a little bit more um, reserved guy, and um, you know doesn't doesn't say a whole lot. And I would encourage people to check out that interview because he does talk about you know his relationship with with Archie and how that's kind of developed here, and also a little bit about. Um, you know, Tom Crean and, and the work that he did in recruiting him. But, you know, I think the biggest thing uh, that I took from from talking to his dad is um, just how blown away they were um, with Archie's organization and also just kind of the straightforwardness and the tone of, of what he said. I mean, he didn't come in there and, and give him, a, you know, a, a used car salesman pitch. He came in there and said, hey, you know, this is um, – going to be a tough thing. This is going to be uh, something that requires a lot of work. And I think the family respected uh, his approach and how he uh, was straightforward with them. And, you know, everyone's talked about um, Archie being a Midwest guy. Well, the Smiths are a Midwest family, and I think that resonated with them. So, uh, you know, it's uh, Mr. Smith. Um, he I've talked to him quite a bit uh, over the last year as this recruitment has gone on, and he's always been pretty straightforward with me. Uh, the last couple of weeks, he's really wanted uh, some privacy as the family's kind of gone through the process and talked things through. But um, when I talked to him yesterday morning, he seemed to be pretty proud and, and beaming in terms of uh, how excited he was about this opportunity. And I think he was just glad that, you know, it worked out for Justin because I got the sense that Justin was really sold on Indiana for a long time. And 
Uh, the fact that he was going to have to maybe uh, reconsider uh, wasn't something that he really wanted to do, so he was glad and relieved, I think, that things are going to work out with Archie. You know, Ryan, you mentioned, you know, you wrote that article about Archie Miller acing, you know, these early tests at Indiana. And I know it's way too early to really start projecting this. We don't even know what the full roster is going to be. But how much more encouraged are you now, you know, kind of three weeks in, about what Indiana can do, even in the first year of Archie Miller's tenure, uh, you know, as opposed to maybe, you know, kind of having to ramp up for two or three years like sometimes you need to with a new coach? Well, I kind of expected him to do well early. Uh, I don't think I expected it to feel as smooth uh, as it has, though. So I think that that really long term, my my attitude hasn't changed. But in the short term, I feel like maybe next year will be better than I thought. Uh, I Because I don't feel like it's a big change of, you know, a sea change where it's going to take forever for these guys to adjust and all this. It just feels like he's come in kept the good aspects of the program and is working on fixing the negative aspects and the things that weren't working, um, which is quite frankly, the way you should do it. But as I said before, a lot of guys come in and want to drop a bomb and, and rebuild from the ground up when look, if there's a solid foundation and there's solid, there are some good things going on. You don't need to completely destroy those just to put your stamp on the program that will come in time. And I think that he realizes that, I mean, he's from a coaching family. He knows how to operate and knows how to build on what's working. So I think that that's been very apparent. And I think that again, I don't think that changes my feeling long-term about the hire, but it does in the short term, make me feel better about the prospects heading into next year and maybe the year after where it won't be a full scale rebuild. It's going to be, you know, almost like a reloading and, you know, building on what's already there. Yep. All right, coming up on the assembly call, we are going to spend a little bit more time talking about Justin Smith and Al Durham, what kind of players they are, how they will fit into Archie Miller's system. That is coming up on the assembly call. Stick with us. You're listening to the Assembly Call presented by HoosierProud.com. I'm Jared Morris here talking IU hoops with Alex Bozich of Inside the Hall and Ryan Phillips. Andy has the week off. So we've been going through on Assembly Call Radio and kind of breaking down one player every week. Last week, you know, we spent some time talking about Deron Davis. And so this week it makes sense to spend some time talking about the incoming freshmen because now we know that at least two of them will actually be here as they've reaffirmed their commitments. That's Justin Smith and Al Durham. And so, guys, let's spend a little bit of time talking about these guys, you know, some scouting reports, really kind of paint a picture of what kind of players these guys are and what they might look like in the Cream and Crimson beginning next year. Uh, Ryan, I know you've done some extensive film study on Justin Smith. What can you tell us about him? And is he going to be the next player that you claim to have discovered? <laughs> uh, no, definitely not, because I was definitely not first on him like uh, I was for OG and Duron Davis years before they became Hoosiers. But uh, Justin Smith, he's a six foot seven, two hundred ten pound. I mean, that's what he's listed at. Uh, small forward, sort of a wing player out of uh, Illinois, Lincolnshire, Illinois, Adlai Stevenson High School. He, um, what I love about him is he's not just an athlete; he's an athletic guy. Uh, not on the Troy Williams, Victor Oladipo scale, but he's sort of a, a notch below that, in my opinion. Um, but he's also really polished for being an athletic guy. And, and you don't see that a lot out of 17, 18, 19 year olds. They're, they're usually let the athleticism sort of do everything for them and don't have the polish. Uh, he's got a really nice jump shot, three point shot, uh, though. I think, I mean, this is technical and you'll get a little shot doctor, uh, angle from me on this, but he kind of over rotates his lower half on his three point shot a little bit. Um, for those who, aren't familiar with the process. Uh, when you have your feet square to the basket, when you jump, they should land square to the basket as well. And, and a lot of younger guys put too much arm into their shot and twist their body as they shoot. Uh, that's easily fixable and it's just repetition and things like that. But you'll notice on his jump shot, he misses shots when he over rotates his body. Uh, so that's something that the new staff will have to work on with him. Uh, he's a really aggressive finisher. Uh, sometimes, not extremely smart when he goes to the rim and finishes because he'll try and finish in traffic rather than giving it up and passing. Um, but he's a guy who is a willing rebounder, a willing defender, um, has the athleticism to do both very well. Uh, he's not going to be a guy like a Jawan Morgan or an OG Ananobi who can play in the post as well. He's going to be a perimeter guy, I think, uh, a, a traditional small forward who can move down into a post defensive position if you need him, but that's not going to be his, his best situation. Um, he's going to be best playing a wing spot. And, and I think that 
also as you look at where he projects going forward i think that he'll definitely be in the rotation as a freshman for sure because at the very least he can lock down defensively do a good job for you there steal minutes for you if you need them for someone like colin hartman uh Juwan morgan guys like that but he can also give you something offensively will not be in over his head and then also i think that so I believe he'll be a rotation player, but I think by year two, he's probably a starter, depending on who else you get, obviously. And then by year three, you're looking at a guy who's a really good Big Ten starter um, if his projection goes the way it is. Um, so really polished, nice player who's going to come to campus with a lot of tools in his bag and 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 have a really good base to start from to, to develop. Um, but a guy who can also really be a freshman his first year instead of being forced into a starting role and having to sort of learn on the fly. And Alex, the other thing that's kind of struck me about him and you know I always hesitate to make any judgments just from reading some comments and seeing some taped interviews but I remember you know seeing Juwan Morgan before he got to Indiana and just feeling like he was remarkably mature for a high school senior and for an incoming guy and felt like he would be a really good culture fit and obviously he has been I get that same feeling from Justin Smith is that accurate yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because one of the things his dad said yesterday when I talked to him uh, he compared his um, I guess demeanor uh, mindset to Tim Duncan, which was, oh, wow. um, you know, yeah, I didn't, I didn't print that, but he did say that. Um, and so I think in a lot of ways he's um, maybe a little, you know, mature beyond his years in terms of his approach to the game and uh, how he just conducts himself. Um, he's not going to be a guy that you know, he might dunk on somebody, but I don't think you're going to, he's really going to be a guy that's yelling in the crowd or looking at, time to show anybody up he's very uh business-like in his approach uh to everything it seems like to me i mean as i said i talked to him earlier today um you know five or six minutes uh interview and uh he you know answered all the questions in a pretty concise manner professional business-like approach and he's uh he's just a guy i think that uh, like ryan said i mean he's going to be someone that's going to come in and make an impact right away. He might not start right away, but by the time I think his second or third year um, comes along, he's going to buy, be a guy you can you can count on uh, for major uh, production. Uh, one of the things I really like about his upside in, in Archie's system uh, is his defensive uh, ability in terms of being able to go the other way in transition. Uh, just because he's so athletic and uh, such a good finisher. I think he had 75 dunks this past season in high school. That's, that's pretty good. I mean, Jeez. that's played 30 some games. That's at least two a game. So, uh, if he's going to be a guy that's, that, that kind of fits what Archie wants to do defensively, I feel like he can probably get, uh, somewhat similar to what OG did uh, when he's got on that role where he would, you know, get in the passing lane and seem like he would get a dunk every game there for a while. So I think he can have a similar type role there defensively, maybe not as much as disruptive as OG, but, definitely with the capability of get out getting out in the passing lanes and scoring the other way yeah i would say i would add to that 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 as, as alex was talking about he seems like a mature kid i think his game is mature too and i think that that that's what i was uh, sort of leaning towards when i was saying that you know he's not just an, an athlete he has sort of a rounded polished mature game and it's a guy who's worked at it who has honed it he's not somebody who's you know new to this and and you can just tell that uh he sort of has that next level ability uh as far as you know not just being a raw high school kid this is a guy who who has been there and has competed and uh, has gotten better from it. Um, you know, we have a question in the chat. This is from Gerb. You know, is there a current comp as either an IU player or someone else for Smith? So I'd love to get your guys' thoughts on that. Let me tell you what's kind of coming to mind as I hear you talk about him because you talk about an athlete and kind of with that size and obviously the most recent guy just in terms of measurables and some of those things would be Troy Williams. But he strikes me as a guy who, you know, maybe kind of cuts between – kind of that bad Troy and good Troy to where he'll be a little bit more consistent. Um, does he, and, and maybe that's a terrible comparison, so feel free to, to disagree with me. Um, but does he have, you know, kind of that ceiling of when Troy was really going well? Can he be that level of player? Take that, Alex, if you, you want know, to. Troy is, um, and I don't know if Ryan agrees with me. I don't know if you agree with me on this. I think he's like almost like top 2% of athletes that yeah. you're going to see. Uh, Justin Smith is not, um, he's a great athlete. Don't get me wrong, but he's not Troy Williams athletic. So I, you know, I struggle, um, because like really good Troy, that's, 
like a pretty high ceiling. I mean, that's an NBA. Like this is a guy, this is a guy that once he got uh, in front of the right eyes in the NBA, you know, he's sticking on a roster now um, in Houston. I, I don't know if he's going to have a long term career, but the reason he is where he is is because he's that two percent top two percent athlete. You know, it's hard. Man, I'm, I'm having a hard time coming. Uh, and, and maybe we want to come back to this too. You know, yeah. I've got. I, I've got one. I think that uh, the guy he reminds me of a little bit, he's obviously not as good uh, at this age, um, but a, a little bit taller and a better athlete, but not as good a finisher as someone like Jamal Murray, who was at Kentucky. Um, just sort of a polished game. Uh, Murray was more of a pure shooting guard and a little smaller, but it's a similar type smoothness to his game. Um, and, and Murray was not as good an athlete as, as Justin Smith is, but Murray was also a better scorer. So, I mean, there's trade-offs there, but if you're looking for a general maturity to his game, a smoothness and sort of like that innate ability to rise above when things are going poorly and, and take it to the next level, that's the kind of guy that I would look at. Um, it's not a one-to-one comparison, obviously, and I know that's not perfect. Murray was a, a lottery pick after one year in college, uh, a high lottery pick. But it, it's sort of that, that's who he, the kind of game he reminds me of a little bit. Um, there are other guys, too. I mean, it, it's just really hard to come up with one right after, you know, right off the top of your head. Uh, I definitely have to think about it. But that's that's sort of someone who who he kind of reminds me of a little bit. Okay. Uh, you're listening to The Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Alex Bozich and Ryan Phillips, breaking down the week in IU basketball. And we're talking about Indiana's incoming freshman right now. We just spent some time breaking down Justin Smith. Let's look at the other uh, freshman who is coming in, and that is Al Durham. And, Alex, I know you've had a chance to see Al play. Uh, I actually got a chance to interview him last week, the day after he reaffirmed his commitment to Indiana. Uh, I would highly recommend going back and listening to that interview. One of my favorite moments in that interview with Al, you know, he's a guy who, you know, has had people question his shot. Obviously, he's a good athlete, good ball handler, not a great shooter, you know. And I asked him, you know, if, if he kind of felt like that was kind of the one weakness that he needed to work on. And he was he had a little bit of defiance to him. And he said, you know what, my shot is fine. He's like, it needs to get better. I need to improve, but my shot is fine. I'm a good shooter. And I liked it. Like, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't like arrogant about it. And it, it didn't have the self-awareness of not realizing they needed to improve. But I liked him coming back at me a little bit and having a little defiance there like a lot of great athletes will have. So, uh, but definitely listen to that interview. I thought Al was great and I really enjoyed talking to him. Uh, Alex, what kind of insight can you give us on the game of Al Durham? Yeah, well, I'm going to have to disagree a little bit with Al. His, his shot does need some work, but he, that, that's, not, that's nothing that, can be, that can't be fixed. Uh, you know, I think the two things that stand out to me the most, um, I saw him last spring in the EYBL, and then I saw him this past high school season. And the game, uh, to be fair, the, game, the high school game I did see uh, this past year is um, he, he shot the ball unbelievably in that game hit multiple three-pointers was was really on but the two things that stand out to me uh, defensively uh, his length and his ability to create ball pressure I think that fits in really well with what Archie wants to do and the second thing is uh, offensively he's very aggressive in terms of drawing fouls I think he was in the top five um, and free throw rate in the EYBL, which the EYBL is the, the cream of the crop in terms of grassroots basketball. This isn't like he was going up against, um, you know, some team from rural Indiana with no D1 players. He, you know, he's going up against the best of the best. And to be top five in terms of getting to the free throw line, if he can bring along his perimeter mid-range game, uh, make it, you know, just average to above average, and combine that with his ability to uh, to draw fouls, I think you've got the makings of a really solid uh, Big Ten guard. So uh, I think defensively, and like I said, r- really good uh, in terms of ball pressure, getting into the passing lanes. And I think offensively, the main thing that stands out is his ability to uh, get into the lane. He's he's kind of shifty with his body, uh, can kind of find holes and uh, finish with, with both hands pretty well. So I like his upside. I mean, I think he's going to fit really well into what Archie Miller uh, wants to do. Maybe even more so uh, a fit with Archie than he was going to be with Tom Crean. Yeah, I I agree with that wholeheartedly. I know I know comps are hard. Do you have any for him? The one guy that I've heard mentioned, at least from a recent Indiana perspective, is Stan Robinson. You know, lefty, good good guy getting to the basket, questionable shot, good defender. Is that reasonable or? Uh, maybe not as good of an athlete as Stan was, uh, in the open floor. Uh, Stan 
in high school was pretty darn good uh, in terms of his ability to finish in transition and kind of get into the lane. I'm not saying that Al's uh, Al can get into the lane, but he's a little bit different uh, in terms of the athleticism. But I mean, I guess they're both going to get they're going to get compared because they're both left-handed players. Um, but um, <laughs> well, at, at any given time, Stan might go back to being right-handed. So well, that's know. true. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know that I like the Stan comparison, but um, you know, I, I just think overall, I think um, Al is going to project as a guy. I don't, I don't know that he's ever going to be a starter. But I think he's a really good first guard off your bench uh, down the line. And another guy who seems to have you know good maturity and will be a good culture fit too, which I think is important for you know incoming recruits for a new coach. Yeah, I, here's my thing about Al, and you know, uh, as a basketball junkie, I think left-handed shots are hideously ugly, and I, I apologize to anybody who's a lefty out there. Uh, but no, I, I think that uh, he's very, as Alex said, he's tall, he's long for for a guard. Um, he's gonna have to work on that shot, uh, and especially if he's gonna be playing the point, or or you know, if he's gonna be playing significant minutes, and he's gonna have the ball in his hands, he's gonna have to be able to shoot. And and I agree that that shot doesn't need work. Um, but I don't think, I think there's a lot of kids that come into the, to college that way, his ability to get to the hoop, to draw fouls. And, and he's shown a little bit of vision from what I've seen. Uh, so I think all of that is a positive, uh, but he's definitely not a guy who's going to come in and be, you know, getting major minutes as a freshman because there's stuff he's got to work on. As long as he comes in with the attitude that he knows he's got to work, then he'll be fine. Alrighty, so coming up on the assembly call, we are going to look at the new coaching staff. It was just unveiled officially yesterday. We're going to break those guys down, tell you what to expect. That's next on the assembly call. Stick with us. You're listening to the assembly call presented by HoosierProud.com, where they offer a line of T-shirts and accessories that are unmatched for anyone who wants a unique, stylish way to display their pride in being a Hoosier. Visit our friends at HoosierProud.com and use the promo code AC for 15% off your order. I am Jared Morris talking IU basketball with Ryan Phillips and Alex Bozich of Inside the Hall. And you can, of course, join us on the Assembly Call after every IU basketball game over at AssemblyCall.com and every Friday right here for Assembly Call Radio. Guys, let's talk about the new coaching staff. That's one of the other big stories from this week. Uh, we've heard, you know, some of the names for you know a week, a couple of weeks now, but it wasn't announced officially uh, until uh, I think uh, it was Wednesday uh, when it was announced. But Bruiser Flint, Ed Schilling, Tom Ostrom, Bill Comar, Ben Sander, and Derek Elston, uh, the six-man coaching staff. And I think we're still awaiting official word on who the new strength and conditioning coach is. Um, but let's talk about this staff, um, Alex. And, and I'm just curious to to find out what your initial reaction was, you know, to you know the official release of, of these names and, and how you think these guys will do helping Archie Miller transition. I think it's a well-rounded staff. I mean, that's the first thing that comes to mind. I mean, you look at Bruiser Flint. He's got uh, experience as an assistant uh, with John Calipari uh, for a team at UMass that went to a Final Four. Uh, coincidentally, I think Ed Schilling was also. Uh, kind of cross paths on, on that same staff with uh, Cal and Bruiser at, at UMass, but Bruiser went on to uh, to become a head coach for 20 years. So uh, I think he's seen it all. Um, he's got um, obviously extensive ties to the East Coast, specifically the Philadelphia area, playing at St. Joseph's, and you know, I think he's gonna gonna be a force. Uh, on the recruiting trail, he's going to be hungry to get back in it after getting let go. Um, he sat out the last year and kind of went around the country, observed different places. You know, one one place he he actually came last year and watched the practice was Indiana. Uh, Did he say so it was the best practice he's ever seen? Too ironically. Yeah. Well, if you if you didn't know, I used preparation was great last year. It's true, Jared. Preparation yeah. was great. Um, so uh, Ed Schilling too, uh, another great hire. I thought. I mean, going out to uh, UCLA uh, did a really good job there for Steve Alford in four years. He's he's. I mean, he has such a well-rounded resume, uh, having worked uh, as a trainer, having worked at three different times as a high school coach in Indiana. He was a head coach at Wright State. Uh, he's been an assistant coach at college basketball in college basketball, going back to the days at UMass. Was spent some time in the NBA with the New Jersey Nets under John Calipari. Now he's coming from UCLA, where uh, you know he helped uh, assemble the number two recruiting class in the country that's coming in there this year. I think his desire was to get back uh, to the Midwest, closer to home. Closer yeah, I mean, who, want, who, wants, who wants to live in Southern California anyway? I know right? exactly. Just morons, exactly. right? It's who wants to go to to uh, 
work every day when only half the arena is full. Um, so uh, <laughs> come, come back to come to Bloomington. So uh, no, just kidding. You know the, um, the thing it, with Schilling that's interesting to me because I think that the narrative with him has been how much he'll help with the in-state recruiting right off the bat and the inside-out strategy. I did not realize his extensive history as a player development guy. I, I didn't mm-hmm. know about that, but he's oh I mean, he works with all the he he worked with all the the, the guys that from Indianapolis area that, you know, trained in the off season that, uh, there for the NBA, uh, well-respected around the state. I've already talked to a couple of high school coaches who have told me they love the hire they've known, uh, Ed for a long time and they're excited about it. And then Tom Ostrom, uh, he's probably, you know, maybe the guy I talked least about, um, of the three, but look at what, you know, he worked at Florida under Billy Donovan. Uh, he, he worked uh, in a couple high major programs, um, you know, in uh, I think Alabama as well. Uh, he was there with, is that right, John? Ar- or, Arkansas. Arkansas, Arkansas. I get those confused. Arkansas, John Pelfrey. Uh, he was on his staff, and then spent the last six years at at uh, Dayton uh, with Arch. So, I think, um, you know, I think, you know, I hate to, I hate to give everything like a a passing A grade. I mean, there's, it's almost like, hey, this has a stamp of approval, but. This is a really good staff in my eyes. I mean, I think it's from top to bottom, uh, just about as well-rounded as you're going to get. I even checked in with a couple of national guys just to say, hey, what do you think of this staff? And pretty much uh, the universal response was a very solid, very good start. And you're yeah. – oh, go ahead, Ryan. Oh, one thing I love about Bruiser Flint, too, is this is a guy who is the greatest coach in Drexel history. I know that doesn't seem like a big deal to some people, but he was at a small call, a small school and, and did a great job. He was four-time Colonial Athletic Association Coach of the Year. Um, you know, that's – usually you'll see guys, if they win it once or twice, don't win it again. They always kind of try and give it to a new guy. He won it four times, had some of the best seasons in school history, was the kind of situation where he was just there for 15 years, so they just moved on to somebody else, and he didn't have a lot of successes last few years. This guy knows how to coach. I mean, that's clear. Uh, and with Schilling, I think that uh, that was sort of the big hire. I know a lot of people talked about trying to steal him from UCLA – for the last couple of years, even for Tom Crean's staff, people talked about, you know, let's go out and get that guy because of what he's done, as Alex noted, you know, working as a trainer, working in so many different areas and having a doing, doing a great job in state in Indiana and, and all the ties he has. Um, that's that's a big deal. And, and so to go out and get a guy from UCLA who is helping rack up huge recruiting classes, bring him back home where, you know, he knows what's going on and knows, you know, who to go after, who to talk to. Um, I think that that was huge. That was enormous. And Ostrom, I think, was the guy that that Archie was going to bring from Dayton. Um, you know, he talked about a Dayton flavor. And so he brought his guy from Dayton and, and Ostrom also. All of these guys have experience either coaching or coaching under good coaches or they have experience and and sometimes experience recruiting in really good areas uh, and, and having a solid background in that. So I just think it was he went out and, as Alex said, it's just a great, well-rounded staff in a lot of ways. And, um, you know, when Archie Miller promised to put together the best staff in college basketball, he certainly put together a great staff. I don't know if it's the best college basketball, but it is a great staff that certainly can go toe-to-toe with any in the Big Ten. I think that that and Michigan State would be the top two if I'm looking at the best uh, staffs right now. On paper, obviously, we'll see how they work together moving forward. I think the other thing, real quick, about this staff uh, I think your goal in having as good assistant coaches is you, you ultimately want to get them to to be head coaches uh, in some capacity. And I think um, you know you never want to have a staff that that's in place for for you know five or six years. You want to have some turnover because that means guys are succeeding and moving on to bigger and better things. And I think all these guys um, would be coveted by other programs, and that speaks to to how well. Uh, they're respected in their profession. So, I, you know, I think, uh, I mean, I, I'm still kind of shocked about the Ed Schilling thing, to be honest. I mean, I think I just think that was pretty much a home run. I mean, you talk about a guy that is well respected uh, around the state of Indiana. It's going to be uh, it's going to be real interesting to see what kind of damage he can do, because he's just, um, you know, the, the, you you can't bring up the name Ed Schilling without getting uh, you know a lot of uh, kind words uh, from people around the state and uh, I know um, some folks um, you know from the the UCLA angle you know thought that he was a reason that they would have a chance in the Romeo Langford recruitment so we'll see 
what uh, he can bring uh, uh, to Indiana as far as that goes. And I know that a yeah. lot of other 2018 kids are, are already familiar with him as well. Yeah, he's basically a cheat code for Indiana recruiting, it seems like. I mean, that just seems like what everybody seems to be saying about him and his influence in the state. So uh, that'll be huge for Archie, I think. Maybe we could come up with different phrasing besides cheat yeah, code we'll when work it comes on to it. recruiting. We'll just... hey, you know what? I, you know I'm an off-the-cuff guy, Jared. And, uh, well, that, that has been proven this evening. Um, would you be willing to describe your level of sympathy for Steve Alford at not getting the IU job and losing his top assistant to Indiana? Oh, I feel so bad for Steve Alford. As you guys know, you know, I mean, just not getting a call from Indiana about the job. And, you know, I mean, he did. So he was such a wonderful public servant of uh, Iowa and they love him there. You know, and I've got friends there and, you know, it's just it's really sad. I mean, when 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 bad things happen to such wonderful people, I uh, I, I can't stand it. It's the worst. Um, real quick, Alex. I want to ask you about Derek Elston because, you know, a lot of times a new coach doesn't want holdovers because there's a chance that holdover might be loyal to the previous coach. And especially in Elston's case, I mean, he played for Tom Crane and then coached under Tom Crane. Why do you think, A, that wasn't a concern? And what, you know, kind of from the work that you've seen of Derek Elston these last couple of years suggests that he's, you know, a, a good choice to continue in this role? Well, Elston was overseeing uh, one of the, one of the, guys overseeing this transition so obviously Archie came in and evaluated what he did during this transition period and felt comfortable with 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 that and and wanted to keep him around I mean I think you know some people maybe wanted an quote-unquote IU guy on the staff well this is you know your guy Derek Elston he's IU uh, to his core I mean he stayed committed to the program uh Throughout when the coaching change happened, he committed to Kelvin Sampson originally, stick with things with Tom Crean, played professionally, and first thing he wanted to do after that was come back and work at IU. I think it's, to him, uh, a dream to, to, to be uh, part of the, the program still. And you know, I think I think for those reasons, uh, Archie was able to see uh, kind of the value that, that Derek brings from that standpoint. I know Ryan probably wanted to chime in here too, so before we run out of time, Ryan. Oh, yeah, I just I think it's a great – a, a great job by Archie to retain a guy who, who people really liked. So, um, you know, I, I think that, uh, he's a guy that also connected with the players. And, and I think that's big to be able to bridge the gap between the coaching staff and the players and, you know, make everyone more comfortable and having a guy that those players are comfortable with on the new staff, uh, will probably help lessen the length of time it takes for everybody to get comfortable with each other. All right, well, coming up on the assembly call, we are going to look at the draft decisions of four Indiana Hoosiers, talk about those and the decisions that they have coming up now. That is next on the assembly call. Stick with us. You're listening to the Assembly Call presented by HoosierProud.com. I'm Jared Morris here talking IU basketball with Alex Bozich and Ryan Phillips, wrapping up another episode of Assembly Call Radio. And here in our final segment, we're going to talk about the recent NBA decisions of four Indiana Hoosiers, OG Ananobi, Thomas Bryant, Robert Johnson, and James Blackman Jr., who all decide to put their names into the NBA draft. OG is making his decision final. He's hiring an agent. He will be gone going into the draft. He's projected anywhere from 15 to 20, depending on the, depending on the mock draft that you see. Uh, so that was expected for a while. Uh, I think, again, you know, that, that's not a, a surprise. So we're not going to spend too much time talking about that. I think the most interesting one is Thomas Bryant. And so I want to get your thoughts on that, Alex. But first, I do just want to make a general statement because, you know, I've seen a lot of tweets from people, you know, you know, talking about how Robert Johnson, you know, what is he doing? He's wasting his time. You know, this is ridiculous that he's putting his name out there. Same thing even with a guy like Bryant. And, and all I want to make sure people understand is that these guys are just taking advantage of the rules. You know, they are now allowed to put their name out there to get feedback. And if they don't hire an agent, they can pull their name back and stay in school, maintain their eligibility. I think they have until May 24th to do that. So there is no downside for these guys doing it. And the comparison I would make is for a normal student at IU, if they had a chance to go to an intensive career fair would you tell them that they shouldn't do it just because maybe, you know, the career that they're going for seems a little bit out of the uh, out of reach based on, you know, kind of what you've seen of them. And it's very similar and you wouldn't tell any student that they shouldn't do this. And that's all these guys are doing, getting feedback. Hopefully it can help them understand their strengths better, understand their weaknesses that they need to improve on. So there's really no downside. And frankly, I'm proud of all these guys for doing it because I think it's a smart, mature thing 
for them to do. So let's just stop with any of the criticism because it's just off base and doesn't take into account the actual reality of the rule and the situation. So with that said, let's talk about Thomas Bryant. Um, because again, I think we all think his is the most interesting one because it does seem like there's a chance that he could come back. Um, and while he's still projected as kind of a, a high to mid second round pick, you know, there's debates on both sides for whether it would benefit him to go now or to stay and try and improve his stock. What's, what's the feeling that you get on this one, Alex? I think with Bryant going to the combine and working out for teams is really going to be the deciding factor on whether he stays in or comes back. If he, goes to the combine and plays really well or if he you know has five or six teams where he has really good workouts where they're considering him in the early second or, or late first i think uh it makes a lot more sense for him to potentially put his name in but the opposite is also true if he if he flops at the combine or he has some, some really bad workouts i think he could be a strong candidate uh to come back uh, for another year because the thing is with bryant uh he's only 19 so uh, he even if he comes back for another year, he's only going to be 20 next year, uh, potentially yeah, going to the draft. I, not to cut you off, Alex, I love the fact that Deron Davis is older than Thomas Bryant. I just that's amazing. He, he's he's me, older but... than Thomas Bryant, Jawan Morgan, and OG Ananobi. I know <laughs> it's just crazy. <laughs> but yeah, he. Uh, it's not like if he comes back, um, teams are going to be saying this guy's too old. He's still only going to be 20 years old. I think he's got a lot of room to grow. Uh, my question would be uh, with him, um, the the things that maybe give would give teams pause, uh, can he really make those things um, improve them enough to where he would ever be a first round pick? is he gonna is he gonna be a first round pick by coming back another year? Ultimately, you know, it also comes down to how much he likes being in school and how much he wants to to play for archie miller and and stay at Indiana. So uh, I, I think he's a guy. That's probably going to be a second round pick if he um, if he stays in the draft. But, you know, you never know if he has a really good combine, has a really uh, good workout and a team late in the first round says, hey, this guy's not only 19 years old. We like his upside. We're going to roll the dice. I think there's a chance he could go late first round. But uh, there's not a guarantee on the table. It'll really be interesting to see uh, what he does. I also know that his uh, mom is, is pretty uh uh, set on him getting an education. So uh, you know, that's another thing uh, to, to consider here. I don't know how much it'll come into to play uh, as, the, as the final decision comes in, but he's easily, to me, the most intriguing of the of the four. OG's gone. Robert, I think, is just testing the waters to get feedback. And James Blackman um, is going to graduate. So if he wants to go pro, uh, that's, that's totally uh, within his right if he's got his degree. So, Ryan, uh, what do you think about some of the other decisions? I think I think uh, Robert Johnson seems to be the one that's raising the most eyebrows. And quite frankly, you got to understand that there is no downside to this process for these guys. If they don't hire an agent, they can come back. Uh, they can, you know, go to the combine, get reviews from scouts, be told what they need to work on to become an NBA player and move on, uh, y- you know, and, and move back to college and, and, and improve and, 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 you know, have the focus, uh, on, on what they need to get better, you know, have the, have the tools to focus on what they need to get better at. Um, you've seen guys do this all around college basketball. I mean, Caleb Swanigan was going to be undrafted last year, uh, and NBA teams told him he needed to get quicker, needed to work on an outside shot and need to get in better shape. And look what he did. He was almost national player of the year this year. So it's the same, you know, thing. These guys go and get the advice that they need. And, and, uh, so I think that's that's really the point here. And a guy like Rob, there's no downside for him to go and come back. And and uh, you know maybe he knocks it out and and impresses some teams and gets a first round a late first round promise from somebody. Uh, but I think that for the most part, this is an opportunity to go out and get advice that you can't get elsewhere, and, and to get advice from scouts and get advice from the people who are going to be watching you next year. And maybe your performance puts you on the radar of a team that wouldn't have even been paying attention to you next year. So. Uh, I think those are the 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 upsides for for them doing this. And again, I don't think there's a downside. Uh, Alex, real quick, your thoughts on Miles Bridges uh, announcing that he's going to come back to Michigan State, probably the most important uh, other player in the Big Ten that will certainly have a big impact on next season. I think it's great for the Big Ten. I think it's well great for Michigan State, great for the league, bad for other Big Ten opponents because. <sighs> 
you can go ahead and put Michigan State in, uh, as the preseason favorite in the league. I don't care who comes back to Purdue. Uh, go ahead. Uh, Jaron Jackson and Miles Bridges on the same team uh, with Nick Ward. Good luck Plus with that. Plus all the court. freshmen becoming sophomores. Exactly. I mean, Good luck. That's all uh, I got to say. Yeah. I think it's funny that, that Miles was the only person who didn't want Miles to go pro. It seems like everybody else was telling him, no, go, just go, just go. And he wants to go back to school, so good for him. He can only be a kid That'll once. I mean, he, he's going to be a, I mean, he's going to be a lottery pick again next year, I feel like. I mean, he's not, like, nothing about his game. Like, he didn't, I mean, he was good this year, but he can be a whole lot better. It's not like he's going to, he might get picked apart to an extent, but, um. I just don't see any way he comes back and isn't a lottery pick. Yep. All righty. Well, that will do it for us on this week's episode of the Assembly Call. Make sure you join us at assemblycall.com every Thursday night for a live simulcast of our Assembly Call radio recording, or you can subscribe to our podcast by searching for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. Our thanks to Hoosier Proud for sponsoring this episode. Go to hoosierproud.com and use the promo code AC for 15% off. And thank you for listening. We'll be back to talk IU hoops again with you next week. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim and go Hoosiers. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Assembly Call. If you want to support the show, please share The Assembly Call with a friend or family member who loves IU basketball like you do. You can also visit assemblycall.com support to learn a few ways you can help. From donating to grabbing official Assembly Call gear to buying IU merchandise that you'd buy anyway but using our special affiliate links which get us a commission. We rely on the support of audience members like you to keep the Assembly Call alive. Once again, the URL is assemblycall.com slash Thank you. As always, Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years older to purchase player client. Real estate agents can get full visibility into their client's loan status and help them get to closing faster with Rocket Pro Insight. Sign up today at rocketpro.com slash real estate. Other cost information conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. MLS consumeraccess.org number 33.